This morning being Palm Sunday, you would think that we would typically be preaching something resembling the triumphal entry. We're not. Not today. But, what we're going to cover this morning is the culmination of the entire Passion Week. As we spoke before, Palm Sunday, or the triumphal entry, was a misnomer for the Jews. They were looking for a king to rule them. They thought that Christ was coming as their Messiah, King of the Jews, and that he was going to actually be king, like King David or King Solomon. And that was not the case. We all know that he was coming as Messiah Jesus, and that his kingdom was going to be a heavenly kingdom. And he went through the entire week, and then next Sunday, we're obviously being Easter Sunday, is the culmination of where we stand before God. Now the hymn that we sang, Day by Day, what number was that? 448? You don't have to turn there. But there's a phrase in that, ver- in that hymn that should cause us a, a little bit of pause. It says, Heir to take as from a father's hand, one by one the days, the moments fleeting, till I reach the promised land. You and I know that at the end of all things, all will be to the glory of God. And the longer you and I live, the more heaven, the more and more heaven becomes like a magnet. It draws us and it pulls us and, it, and we want to be there. And there's a lot of anticipation, and especially when we think about what it would be like to stand in the presence of the glory of God. The Apostle Paul knew this when he said, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. So when we think about that joy of what it would be like to stand before God in glory, we're troubled when we think about our passage for today. And our passage for today is found in Romans chapter 3. And we're going to look at Romans 3, verses 21 through 26. But Romans 3, 23, probably one of the most familiar, one of the most memorized verses in Scripture. And I guarantee you, everyone in this room, with the exception of maybe the littles, have memorized this verse. And it's, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If we fall short of God's glory... What hope is there for us? Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father God in heaven, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for who you are. Most of all, we thank you for the precious gift that you sent in your Son, Jesus Christ, to stand in the gap for us, to make us holy before you, to make us righteous, so that we can can have bold access to the throne of grace. Father, this morning as I preach, I pray, Lord, that you would take away my words and my thoughts and fill me with the Holy Spirit, that your word would go forth true and accurate. I pray, Lord, for the rest of the men men that are called to preach this morning, that are standing in pulpits around the country and around the world, that you would indeed fill them also with power, that your word would go forth with strength. In Christ's name, amen.
picture of Will you in your mind with, with me, a courtroom scene. Okay? You and I are shackled prisoners and we're being led into a courtroom. The courtroom of Romans chapter 3. And the judge is our holy God, our holy, righteous God, who is unable to make false judgment. His judgments are always right. His judgments are always true. And they're always accurate. The prosecuting attorney, that's the Apostle Paul being led by the Holy Spirit. And you and I are among the accused. And what is our indictment? What is the charge that we stand accused of in Romans chapter 3? And the charge is this. All have, come sh- all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, and you might ask, what? What's meant by this charge? What, what do you mean, I all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? Well, first of all, that word all means all. And that's all all means. Everyone. Everyone who has ever breathed air and put their feet on the soil of earth has fallen short of God's glory with the exception of one man. And that man would be ultimately our defense attorney. All refers to all men, every human being. And sin means to do wrong or to transgress or to come short or to miss the mark. And the glory of God refers to his unique excellence as the one and only true God. And we've talked about this in the past weeks, how we define God's glory as his unique excellence. To come short of the glory of God means to miss the mark or by failing to honor or praise God, our Creator. He designed every man to magnify God's unique excellence. And every man has missed the mark by sinning. And we talked about, um, in one of the catechisms, what is the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. But man can't do that and in our present accused state. In the, in the courtroom of Romans chapter 3, Man can't glorify God. He's incapable of it. And the explanation of the charges is this. The Apostle Paul steps forward and he's going to explain the charges. He's going to explain the indictment against us. No one, Jew or Gentile, is better than the other. In Romans 3.9 it says, What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. In Romans chapter 1 through 3, Paul proved that all men are servants of sin. And if you go back and read those, you'll see that Paul does a very good job of laying out and proving that all men are born in sin and are in sin and are bondage to sin. And you can read these charges. In Romans 10, Romans 3, 10 through 18, and each of them is backed up by a quotation of the Old Testament. Now, so often we hear people say, oh, the Old Testament, that's, that's, that's the old. We don't need to worry about the Old Testament. You know, that, that's archaic, and it's, and it's laws, and it's do's and don'ts. But what they don't understand is so much of the New Testament is taken from the Old Testament. In Romans 3, 10 through 12, it says, As it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. 
They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. These verses quote from Ecclesiastes 7.20. And there we find what the Old Testament has to say. And it says, For there is, there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. And in Psalm 14.1-3, the psalmist writes, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. And they are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. The indictment. There is none righteous. No, not one. We are all far from seeking after God. We have gone astray like silly sheep, like the sheep that wants to get away from his, out of his pasture because the grass is greener somewhere else and he scoots out and he gets away and he's lost and he gets himself into trouble. And now he has to be sought out and found and brought back into the fold. No sinner fulfills his glorious God-given purpose. But what we do is wickedness and worthlessness. Though there is much talk about doing good, God does, not one does good in God's sight. All of us miss the mark. Now, think of you, if you will with me about a, a, someone, a marksman. And he can hit that target from 400 yards. But if he doesn't hit the bullseye, he missed. He missed the mark. Now, he might be pretty good, but if he doesn't hit those crosshairs in the center of that target, even if he's off by just a little bit, he missed the mark. While it might be, by our standards, it would be a pretty astounding shot to be able to hit a bullseye that big around with a gun at 400 yards. But by God's standard, he failed because he missed the mark. That's us. No matter how good no matter how many good deeds we do, no matter how much we think we're good before God, and that we're, I do a lot of good deeds, we miss the mark. It doesn't matter if you could be Mother Teresa and miss the mark. So, how do we do that? How do we miss the mark? We sin with our words. Romans 3.13 says their throat is an open sepulcher, and their tongues have used deceit. The poison of asps is, an, is under their lips. This is a quote from Psalm 5.9. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth, says the psalmist. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. And Psalm 140 verse 3 says, They have sharpened their tongues like a serpent, Adder's poison is under their lips. Even the best of sinners is like poisonous serpents in the eyes of a holy God. And listen carefully to the speech of people around you. In the ears of a righteous God, this is like the hiss of a serpent. I mean, think about the people that we know. And man, we know some good people. Really good people. And you go, man, if they were only a Christian. 
but their speech is like the hiss of a serpent to a holy God. Romans 3.14 says, Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. This is a quote from Psalm 10.7. It says, His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud is under his tongue is mischief and vanity. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. Think about our jobs and our neighbors. And you hear those bitter cursings. You hear the bitterness and the, and the ugliness that comes out of their mouth. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. This is a quote from Psalm 59, verses 7 and 8, where it says, Behold, they belch out with their mouth swords are in their lips. For who say they doth hear? But thou, O Lord, shalt laugh at them and shalt have them have all the heathen in derision. You think about our society today. We live in a casually murderous society. Our newspapers are quick to announce that the heartbeat in a womb does not mean that that person, that, that little life is a human being. Matter of fact, in the Wall Street Journal not long ago, after the, some of the heartbeat laws were passed in Ohio and I think Tennessee, the Wall Street Journal said, don't they even realize that they're trying to protect something in a mother's womb when she doesn't even know that it's there? And then they went on to say that the heartbeat doesn't necessarily mean that that's a human being. You realize that in the United States today, with the murdering of our young children in the womb, we have gone to a place that is actually worse than Nazi Germany. We as the United States are worse than Hitler's Nazi Germany. We are a casually murderous society. Number five, indictment number five, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Romans 3.18 says, there is no fear before God in their eyes. Verse 18 is a quote from Psalm 36.1, where it reads, the transgression of the wicked has set within my heart that there is no fear of God before their eyes. Reverence and respect for a holy and righteous God is absent in today's society. It's not there. Matter of fact, they scoff at it. They shake their hand and they, they, they shake their fist in the face of God. And they come short of the glory of God. Now, how do scriptures explain to us the glory of God? And what mark have men missed? Psalm 84.11 reads this way, for, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Psalm 113.4 The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Isaiah 6.3 says, and we sang this song today, and one angel cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. 
Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 reads, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercises loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Today's society, everyone loves to glory in their smarts. They like to glory in their things. And they like to glory in their physical strength. But Jesus says, no, glory in this, that I am the God which exercises loving kindness. Glory in this, that I am the God which exercises judgment and righteousness. Habakkuk 2.4.14 reads, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Psalm 139 Verse 14, one of my favorite psalms. I love Psalm 139. And it reads, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Every human being senses that he ought to challenge the sediment that he exists by chance. He sees the signs that tell him that he was designed. Those who have strayed still know that they were made for God's glory. According to the Scriptures, every human being can see what is invisible. But we, but what we do, what do they see? Or what to, how do they sense God's glory? The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 had a fantastic, had a fantastic commentary about how they see God. Romans chapter 1, verses 19 through 23 read this way, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shown it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, They glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their hearts and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and to creeping things. Beginning with Adam, every human being has made his fist in the face of the righteous and glorious God with five rebellious steps. So how do we shake our fist at God? Think about this for a minute. Hold your hand up in the air. You don't have to do this, but I'm going to do this. When we knew God, we did not glorify Him as God. We were not thankful. We became vain in our imaginations. Our foolish heart was darkened. We made a fist in God's face. We have all changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. God made man in His image. 
And man has been trying to make God in his image since the Garden of Eden. So in the courtroom of Romans chapter 3, every one of us stands condemned. The Apostle Paul has done an incredible job of laying out not only the charge against us, but all the evidence that, that points to our guilt. We have sinned. We have come short of the glory of God. And we deserve His wrath. That's the bad news. Is there any hope? Is there any good news? And against this black backdrop, the bright revelation and great declaration of Romans 3, 21-26 shines forth brightly. And it reads, But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith in G- of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, that this time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. Here we see grace, the G, the glory of God, R, the rebellion of mankind, A, the awful penalty for rebellion, C, the Christ who paid the penalty, and E, the appeal. Embrace Christ by faith today. Through the Scriptures, God has given us a door of hope in our valleys of troubles. Hosea Hosea 2.15 reads this way, And I will give her her vineyards from thence, and the valley of Achor for, uh, for a door of hope, and she, saw, and she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as in the day when she come up, came up out of the land of Egypt. Human depravity is a deep valley of trouble. But God offers us a door of hope. And we can see, this exam- we see the example of this in Romans chapter 3. Now, in the original language, Romans 3, 21 through 26 is one long sentence. So we're going to break that down to try and understand the blessing of having real hope. Verses 21-25 are the revelation, the righteousness of God apart from the law. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Romans chapter 1 and 2 prove that all the Gentile people and all Jewish people are unrighteous sinners. And we saw that a little bit earlier, that all have sinned, and that covers everybody. Jews, Gentiles, everybody that put their feet on this dirty earth, everybody has sinned before God. Everybody has fallen short of God's glory, with the exception of the Christ man, Jesus. Good news is that there is an available righteousness, but it doesn't belong to any sinner. According to Paul, this righteousness of God had recently been revealed or manifested, but it had been predicted throughout the, whole, throughout the Old Testament law and the prophets. 
This is the righteousness of God offered to humble and repentant sinners. Verse 22 says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Christ Jesus, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Martin Luther and B.B. Warfield referred to this as an alien righteousness. You think, alien righteousness, what's that? Meaning righteousness that is radically different from self-righteousness. It's a righteousness that is not our own. It is completely, it is from a completely different source. It is not naturally resident within us. Any righteousness that we have that's resident within us is pride, sinful, and selfish, and selfish righteousness apart from God. This is what was gloriously revealed according to Paul. The righteousness of God applied to humbled, repentant sinners who place their faith in Jesus Christ. Paul, the prosecutor, labored to make this point in Romans 1 and 2. The Jewish people had received God's word and thought themselves as those who fear God, yet they were all sinners. No one, not one unrepentant sinner, fears God. There is no difference between the Jews and the Gentiles in this respect. And the reason for that is because we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. As explained in the introductions, all of us, without exception, who are sinners, who missed the mark. But as we discuss new outreach ministries here, Heritage Bible Church, and we undoubtedly will in our men's meetings discuss ways in which we can reach out to those who are naturally unrighteous, those who have missed the mark, those who fall short of God's glory. There's hope. And the hope being justified freely by grace through the, through his, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It is only by God's kindness that we have hope. Only by his grace that we can offer any hope to others. He offers us nothing less than redemption. Buying us back from old slave master sin. And this redemption is only found in Jesus Christ. No man comes to the Father but by him. It reads in John 4, 6, this is the gospel hope. Verse 25 reads, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Have you ever wondered how God could tolerate the sins of Adam and his descendants? These are sins of the past. And God was patient with sinners. But if he was patient, how could he be just? And verse 25 explains the propitiation. How God's righteousness, how God's righteous indignation towards sin was placated. The just God who was merciful made a way. And not only was his righteous indignation satisfied, he placed his righteousness on our account. And all of this is by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ that was given for you on the cross of Calvary. So verse 26 is the, the great declaration. Now Paul's great de- declara- declaration is our glorious declaration. To declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just 
and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. As we consider the outreach ministries here at Heritage Bible Church, we can declare the marvelous righteousness of God. He is the God who is both just and the justifier of those who trust in Christ's finished work. His death as our substitute and his rising again to declare repentant sinners to be righteous. Our great God surprises us by his grace, the creator. He was cut off from his creation, the royal king. Oh, the creator was cut off from his creation. The royal king was rejected by his people with a crown of thorns. The judge who will condemn all men of sins. The Lord of life cut off by cruel death. The Lord of light surrounded by deep darkness. The one who is righteous exchanged his righteous record for our sinful record. The one who is dead rising to live so that we may live with him in eternity. So who will help? Who will help those of us who stand accused in the courtroom of Romans chapter 3? Remember we talked about God Almighty. Holy God, He's the judge. He's the man that's, He's the judge that sits on the throne and He judges rightly and true and accurately in every instance. And Paul brings us accused, shackled sinners for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and He's laid out an incredibly damning list of evidence that that points to our guilt. The Apostle Paul as a prosecuting attorney has done an excellent job presenting his case. But then stands our defense attorney. As we the defendants stand before God guilty, our defense attorney stands up, our advocate, and he says, he's covered by my sacrifice. My blood has washed him and made him righteous before you, judge. And at that moment, the judge declares us righteous because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, because of the redemption. So the indictment for all has sinned and come short of the glory of God is no longer our indictment. We now stand righteous before a holy God. We have an advocate with God in heaven. We can go directly to the throne of grace. We're adopted. We're sons of God. So as we go on, as we consider this Easter season, we consider what next Sunday is about, we can go into next Sunday realizing that what he did for, uh, for us on the cross of Calvary was because we stood condemned for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. As, as we move forward as Heritage Bible Church, I pray that our evangelistic outreach would be such that we would be looking to show the door of hope to those who stand accused. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I just thank you for this day. Oh Lord, I thank you that you loved us so much as your creation that shakes our fist in your face and yet you sent your son to bear an unbearable death whose blood was spilt so that we can stand declared righteous before a holy God. Oh Lord, I pray that our lives would magnify that. I pray that our speech would be such that people would know that we are indeed washed, blood-bought sinners. 
Father, as we go forward as Heritage Bible Church, I pray that our evangelistic zeal would be such that we would be taking the gospel to those who are condemned. In Christ's name, amen.